Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicle's podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today our guest is former A's manager Art Howe. He'll talk to us about his hospitalization with COVID-19 recently and his thoughts on Major League Baseball potentially trying to open even in the midst of a pandemic, plus his time with Oakland. He'll reminisce. Delightful to have you on today, Art. Uh, we were all so worried about you when you were hospitalized recently with COVID-19. How, first of all, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, Susan. I'm I'm back to normal, just a little, trying to build up my strength a little bit. And the only thing, I still don't have my taste buds, so <laughs> I'm keeping my weight down that way. <laughs> um how was that throughout that you didn't have it? Because people keep hearing that that's one of the symptoms is the taste and sometimes smell, I think, thing. Yeah, well, both were gone for me. Uh, my smell seems to be coming back pretty well, but my taste buds still haven't come back. It's going on two months now. Oh, my goodness. So what what happened when you first got sick? Did you realize that that might be that you might have, you know, had been exposed to COVID. coronavirus at all? What what was what happened and when? No, on, it was a Sunday morning. I woke up and I had the chills, really bad chills. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. And that evening, watching TV, I was still, you know, shaking and feeling cold. And I asked Betty if she was cold. And normally she's the one that's cold. And I'm sitting over there with a blanket on and I'm shaking like a leaf. And she's perfectly fine. So I, I had a feeling something was going on, but I didn't know. It was COVID. Uh, same thing happened the next day. And finally, my daughter came over and said uh, on Tuesday, she said, come on, we're going to go get tested. So Betty, my daughter, and I went on a Tuesday to get me tested. And the next day, they called and said I was positive. So uh, they had to go into quarantine for two weeks. Gosh. And my other daughter had to go into quarantine for two weeks because she had visited me on the weekend. So and I was in isolation immediately. So I, I went to isolation in my daughter's room. And it just slowly but surely went downhill from there. I I would take a shower and I'd have trouble stepping over the tub to get back out. I'm so weak. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it really saps your strength. And um, I didn't have a cough for almost a week but uh, the following Sunday, I started to develop a little cough, and the next day was a little worse. And finally, Betty called an ambulance to come get me because I was really wasn't going in the right direction. <laughs> and thank goodness she did, because when I got to the hospital, I found out I had pneumonia. Oh. And uh, they started me on a uh, hydroxychloroquine. What's, what's it called? Hydroxychloroquine, yeah. Yeah, the next day. And I guess, I don't know if that's what turned me around or whatever, but I started feeling slowly but surely a little bit better. I really, on on about Thursday of that week, maybe Friday, I, I broke into a cold sweat in my whole body. And uh, I was running a fever at that time, and my oxygen level was like 89 or 90. And it's supposed to be 95 and above. So they told me until my I, my fever was gone for two days and my oxygen level was at least at 95, uh, they weren't letting me get out of the hospital. 
And finally, that did happen, and that's really what they were looking at. Wow. And, uh, and you're on that, uh, that uh, drug for uh, 10 days. You take two a day, one in the morning, one at night. So uh, I finished that up at home. And uh, within about a week after getting home, I was feeling much better. I was, I was feeling good. Wow. So you were in the hospital how long, all told? Five days. I was in there five days. Wow. And you were never on Even a ventilator? Not, were you on oxygen, anything like that? No. They never put me on oxygen or a ventilator. But uh, I was in there for the five days, and it was in ICU. So they kept me kind of separated from everybody else. My goodness. So I, I know when you were diagnosed, uh, there still weren't a lot of cases in Texas. It was pretty relatively rare. Um, it's been, I, I, it sounds like uh, there are far more cases in Texas now. How are people uh, treating coronavirus and, and COVID there in Texas? Is it starting to be a little bit more uh, of a topic there? What's How would you describe things? I don't think it's a topic because I, I just went to Kroger's and uh, I'd say 70% of the people in there didn't have a mask on. Wow. It, it really uh, concerns me because they don't know what they're dealing with. Uh, but, you know, everything's open here, basically. Uh, you know, the restaurants are open and, of course, they're still asking. It. They're only, like, bringing in 25% of capacity and they're trying to spread people out but it's amazing how many people were walking around with no mask oh my goodness uh do you uh, what do you have to do now since you've had it do you wear a mask or do you take precautions or do they consider that you might have a a resistance to it now well that's what i'm going to find out this week but i do wear a mask wherever i go once good. i'm out in public good but uh i'm going to get check for the antibodies this week oh good okay that'll be interesting yeah um and so your, <laughs> none of your family good ever wound up testing positive or having any symptoms correct correct oh, i mean that's so thankful for that yeah you know, i was really really thankful for that uh, betty you know she was taking care of me basically <laughs> she was uh quarantined in the rest of the house while I was in the one room Jeez. and she, she would knock on the door when she'd bring food for me. And I, but I, I couldn't eat when I was in the hospital, I felt terrible because I'd order breakfast and I'd maybe eat one grape out of the, uh, on the whole plate. Oh, geez. Because how much weight did you lose? 16 pounds. Oh, so that's not how you want to do it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But and the taste buds, I can't even describe what it's like not to have taste buds. I wouldn't wish that on anyone because everything just tastes like goo. And then your appetite, you know, you're, you're I'm right now, it's, I get a little taste here and there. So I'm basically imagining what I'm eating wow. <laughs> because I want, I've put on about six or seven pounds since I've gotten home. So, uh, but I, that's about all I want to put on. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. You're trending in the right direction. I mean, maybe you're in Texas. Maybe go get the hottest possible Mexican food you can. Maybe you could taste that. Yeah. Uh, I called my old dentist and I was telling him I was using a lot of uh, mouthwash, you know, to try to kill all the germs or whatever in mm -hmm. my mouth. And he said, uh, if there's alcohol in it, don't use it. Because I told him, it's like my tongue's on fire when I use this stuff. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, what a strange it's thing to go to go through. 
and we're also sorry that you you've had to go through this, of course, but this gives you a unique perspective as baseball is now talking about trying to get back to work potentially and opening again. What are your thoughts? Just knowing baseball, knowing clubhouse situations, dugouts, uh, it's not a contact sport in the, you know, the way that say the NBA is, but certainly there, there are times there are guys right next to each other or, you know, plays in, at bases and things. What, what are your thoughts on, on baseball trying to get started? Well, they have to, you know, use the, you know, the distancing as much as possible, wear a mask while they're in the clubhouse or whatever I would hope. Uh, but, you know, the Korean league, baseball league, they seem to be doing all right. And maybe they should find out exactly what they're doing over there because at least they haven't reported any players having problems over there. And they've been playing for a month now. Yeah. So uh, maybe it's it's possible to do. I just hope they're very, very careful. I've read just recently where like five Phillies have come down with a COVID and three of their staff also. So obviously maybe they they weren't really being cautious about it. You know, there's no way you're going to be wearing a mask when you're hitting because you want to be able to breathe and whatever. But, uh, you know, with Korea being able to do it, I would hope that Major League Baseball would, you know, keep everything as clean as possible, obviously, and and use the distancing as much as possible. But, you know, this country needs baseball. They they really do. It's the best sport going. I don't care what they say about football. <laughs> but uh, for me, baseball is number one, and I miss it. But uh, at the same time, I don't want anybody to get this. And And you're speaking to somebody that had quite a football career, too, so. That's saying yes. something. Um, uh, so you feel uh, like it might uh, be doable to come back safely and maybe not too risky. Well, I I, I hope so. Yeah. I put it that way. I, I hope so. And uh, if they put their heads together and, and figure out, you know, the best way to go about it. And uh, obviously the clubhouse guys are going to be crucial because they're going to have to try to keep everything clean as possible. Uh, you know, like during the game, maybe, you know, be in the clubhouse scrubbing everything down, you know, using disinfectant on everything they can imagine the players would be touching. So it, it would be a big role for them, I think, more than anybody. Yeah. You know, the guys would really be asked to do an awful lot. Yeah, and I know that they've they've talked in some of their safety proposals about eliminating, you know, some of the very more unsanitary aspects of baseball, spitting in the dugout, you know, see, using seeds, um, pitchers going to their hands. Um, is that, is that doable? Do you feel like, especially going to their hand, it seems like that's almost like a, um, instinctive thing at this point. It's a, it's a, such a habit. It is, but, uh, yeah, if you have to, you have to, you know, if they, if they make it a role, especially, uh, the seeds, you know, Matt Stairs would be in trouble if they weren't (laughs) allowed to have seeds. (laughs) So definitely a good time for everybody to stop chewing tobacco. That's for sure. Yeah. Has yeah, anybody I mean, from MLB talked to you about your experiences and what you went through and check in and kind of see what, you know, what somebody who in baseball who actually wound up with COVID went through? No, no one has co- contacted me and uh, only a couple of reporters. That's about it. Wow. You're listening to Art Howe on A's Plus. I also have a story about him at sfchronicle.com. You can get full digital access for less than a dollar at sfchronicle.com slash pod.
Well, we've been talking to a lot of former A's during this kind of baseball shutdown time and catching up with people. And obviously you managed many of uh, the A's best players of the last two decades. Um, can you tell us uh, who, who jumps out to you from, from among all your players in that time and, and all those very good teams? Who, who, were, who were your very favorites? I know you'd probably be afraid to leave anybody out, but just uh, off the top of your head, who were some of your, the guys that you really enjoyed a lot in the clubhouse? Well, I mean, it's really unfair for me to even name anybody. <laughs> Just about every one of them I, I, I thought the world of. But, yeah, you know, McGuire, when I was first there, the way he went about his work, and I know that, you know, he was under the, the uh, you know, the vision of everybody. Mm-hmm. And he was talked about being traded and everything, but the way he handled himself in the clubhouse as a role model and, and they're always working hard on the field. I thought the world of Mark, I thought he did a, a you know, tremendous job while he was there. And Giambi, Jason Giambi, mm-hmm. you know, Jason was a leader after Mac left. Uh, he did a whale of a job. Miggy, you know, you have to love Miggy the way he played the game and, how much energy he brought to the team, but there were just so many. And, and the and the big four or big three rotation, you know, uh, those guys, Huddy, Huddy, the way he battled and the way he went out there in the postseason with a bad hip and, and tried to win us a big game. You can't you can't measure his toughness and you know the other two guys that were just outstanding. So uh, you know, our clubhouses to me were just ideal. Uh, everybody seemed to get along. Everybody, we didn't need a team bus because they were all in the clubhouse by like two, two in the afternoon, two thirty, and having a good time. And when the time came to play the game, they strapped it on and gave me everything they had. And that's all a manager can ask. And I was really blessed with a, a great group of guys the seven years I was out there. You really, you really were. You had such fun clubhouses and um, some colorful characters. I remember you had some, bull, the sort of the Jason Isringhausen bullpen with, with, with their remote control cars and planes and, you know, some of that goofiness. But that's what I tried to do. I tried to stay out of the clubhouse when they were doing that. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin their fun. <laughs> that was a good bunch. Now, I, one of my next questions was going to be, and I think he might have given us a hint, who would you give the ball to in a really must-win type game? Um, and, I, you know, obviously you had the big three there, so you got a lot of, uh, of, of possibilities. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did say, honey, yeah. how could you go wrong with that? Absolutely. Especially the way he pitched for us. Yeah, don't don't tell Zito or Mulder, but I would I would go with uh, Eddie also. Uh, well, you know, he pitched the first the final game of in two thousand to to clinch it for us, and uh, and I remember it was a low it was nothing nothing going into like the sixth or seventh inning, and how he come in off the field? He just said, "Give me one run, guys. That's all I want." And I mean, that was we got three, I think, and <laughs> that was a bonus. And even stand up. You you obviously had the, the the four playoff teams and some really heartbreaking losses in some of those series. Like just crazy stuff went on. That obviously we we've talked about the Giambi not sliding endlessly, and you know the base running in Boston and all of that. Well, what which to you was of of all of those teams was was maybe the best team and and the hardest loss? Oof, man, they were all heart wrenching losses. Yeah. Uh, 
wow, they were all very good. I think I, I get them a little mixed up. When we lost, uh, oh God, he broke his, he hit a ball into his shit. Jermaine uh, Dye, yeah. I think that group right there might have been our best team. Yeah. And when we lost Jermaine, you know, the last game or two games of that series, it, it, it was our three hitter. And that really, that really hurt. Yeah. And I think it, it hurt, you know, subconsciously, it, it took away from us, you know, losing a quality player like Jermaine. Absolutely. But they were all great teams. Yeah, we we could have, in my mind, we probably should have won all three of those first series that I was involved in. It, you know, a little miscue here, a little miscue there, and and a mistake here and there, and that was the difference in all all three series. And um, you know, I think they all went five, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Three. Yeah. And I know we had the Yankees two zero, and uh, that's one we should have won. Yeah. Um, of course, everybody talks about the 20 game winning streak. That was one of the, the kind of the great accomplishments really in, in baseball in, in that in that time. Uh, how much fun for you was that or was that extra stressful as a manager knowing every as every game as it went along, there was more and more focus? You know, I think it would have probably been easier for me if I was playing <laughs> as a manager. You know, you're, you're putting the guys out on the field and, and there's that's about all you can do is manage the game, but you can't really do a whole lot about the outcome of the game during it, you know, other than making pitching changes and maybe pinch hitting somebody here and there. But it's stressful to be sitting in a dugout and see your ace, Huddy, on the mound with an 11 nothing lead. <laughs> <laughs> and you think it's we finally have a laugher, and it turned into anything but that. <laughs> because We had a pitch out of a bases loaded jam in the top of the ninth just to hold it at 11. Uh, and then, you know, getting the pinch hit home run was, was awesome. I mean, you know, I was so happy for our fans. That's what I was really yeah. happy for. Uh, they supported us so much. And when I first got there in Oakland, you know, you know, we were losing almost 100 games a year. and But they stayed with us, and they rooted for us day in and day out. And finally, they had something to really cheer about. It was awesome. And, it, and like I said, I just wish we could have gone to the World Series and won it all for them. Yeah, yeah, such good, really, really good teams. Now, I, everyone associates, I think, that 2002 team now a little bit with the Moneyball, the the book <laughs> and the movie. We, we've talked so many times. I think that the portrayal of you in that movie is borderline libelous. How how often do you hear about it? Because it was such. I mean, any anybody that knows you or has been connected to you in any way knows you're, uh, first of all, tremendous <laughs> shape and a wonderful gentleman, and and the relationship between you and Billy was nothing nearly what it was portrayed. Right. Uh, the thing that hurts, so obviously it's, is the portrayal of me in the movie. And, and the thing, it kind of makes me laugh because I, you know, I believe it or not, I do get, uh, letters in the mail, you know, with my playing cards and whatever. And they write a little note all the time. And, so many times they say, I really enjoyed Moneyball. And I think to myself, oh, man, if you that's, only knew. Yeah, that's not what I'm like. No, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you wish you, you could say, well, you know, it wasn't quite like that. I wasn't quite like that. Oh, yeah. not even remotely. Not not even yeah. remotely. That was the really the, I mean, even the book, I think you were uh, misportrayed, to be quite quite frank. So. 
Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> so many uh, actual issues with that. Lewis hit off too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was uh, very unfortunate. Now you went from the A's to the Mets, which obviously big mm-hmm. fishbowl going from Oakland to New York. Um, and that's a tough gig in, in New York. It's a team that's, uh, you know, really in the spotlight and has struggled to win. What, what was that experience like for you, especially going from Oakland to New York? Well, it's a learning experience, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I was amazed at uh, all the, uh, the negative press on the team. I know we weren't, you know, gangbusters there or whatever, but they – they were so wrapped up in things that were off the diamond rather than reporting what was going on on the field. You know, uh, you know we had some issues with uh, the bullpen down there, and uh, they just uh, were very negative towards a lot of the players on the team, and I, I just couldn't get over that. And the fan reaction, believe it or not. You know, that's one thing got in Oakland. Every time opening day when we were announced on the field, and lined up, they cheered every one of the players. My very first year in New York, I had two of my players. This is opening day. We haven't even thrown a pitch yet. Our fans booed oh, our, no. two of our own players. I mean, I'm talking 45,000 people booing. And uh, Armando Benitez was one of them. He was my closer. And I'm thinking, geez, oh, oh. man, this poor kid, he, he hasn't even come in to try to save a game yet. In oh. fact, during that early spring, I went out and <laughs> to make a pitch and change late. And we had like a five-run lead in the ninth. And a kid named Jaime Serda I brought in. I figured, what the heck? He, he can, you know, get three outs. we got a five-run lead. Well, he gives up a couple of runs, and there's somebody on base. So I've got to bring in our closer. And they open the gate in right field, and, and Armando breaks through. And at the same time, uh, Jaime Serta's leaving the mound. And I asked our, our catcher, Wilson, I said, who are they booing more? The kid that just gave up two or three runs or the guy I'm bringing in? <laughs> and he laughed and says, I don't know, Skip. That's a good question. <laughs> that's not a good situation. Oh, no, uh, that's terrible. So that's the kind of thing that was going on in New York. They were uh, the, the press. The press was probably the, the one thing you have to really deal with there. Yeah, a little, little different from Oakland. But, I mean, you you had such – you came into Oakland with a team that had low expectations, and by the time you left, you had one of the best teams in baseball. So I guess, uh, yeah, not really right. not really too many hard questions to, to have to ask, except for maybe after well, the one, those playoffs. The one thing I learned in New York, you don't rebuild. Yeah. And that's what I went there thinking we were going to do, you know, because they had lost 105 games a year before or something like that when I came in. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's going to take us a few years, just like Oakland, and we're going to put together a good team and a possible playoff team. And immediately I found out they were not willing. I wanted to deal a couple guys, you know, that that were veteran players on the team to get some good young players, you know, in the system and and start looking to the future, and they, they didn't want any part of that. Wow, you gotta at some point you gotta do something like that, right? With what what's working's not working. That's, that's yeah. I remember I got there. I think we had a hundred and ten or a hundred twenty million dollar payroll. I know it was over a hundred million. And when I left the A's, it was like a thirty five million dollar payroll. <laughs> and I looked at my bench in New York, and 
and every guy I had on the bench in, in Oakland was better than what I had on the bench in oh, New York. Oh, boy. Yeah, what a, did they spend their money on? <laughs> that's a rough gig. And then you got to answer the questions for it. Um, yeah. Now, after you left New York, you had one of the best jobs I think I've ever heard of um, when you were working for MLB in Italy. Tell us a little bit about that, because that just sounds like, I think I remember asking you if you needed a beat writer there in any way, shape, or form. But tell us what you did in Italy. Well, you know, we took uh, kids from all over Europe. We, we had them come in, and I managed the team, and uh, it was great having these kids come in and play. Uh, me and John McLaren worked together there, and, uh, and we actually, it was like a spring training for these kids to teach them. We spent uh, over a month, month and a half there with these kids from all over Europe, you know, Germany, uh, uh, Italy, uh, obviously there, and yeah, just about every country had a kid coming in. It was, you know, we were trying to get them in, more interested in playing baseball and teaching the game the correct way. And it was just a blast. I mean, these kids really uh, enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, we had some competitions. We actually, towards the end of the camp, would separate, you know, split the teams up and have them play against each other. And it, it was just a, a fun time and it was great. You know, showing the kids how you really play the game and how much fun you can have playing the game. And where were you based? Uh, man, Terenia. Oh. Terenia, Italy. It was right near Pisa. Oh, my gosh. So in Tuscany, essentially. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The food. You know, uh, we had a, a day or two off each week, and then, and we could go you know, to Florence, take a train, everything, you know, is fairly close there where, up where we were interested in going. And you could take a train almost anywhere there. It was great. Oh, it was very. And the best food anywhere. That's some. Oh, yeah. You know, we go in to eat at 6, 630, and we're the only two, that night we're the only <laughs> two people in the restaurant. And by the time we're finished, people were starting to come in like about nine o'clock to eat dinner with the little kids and everything. And I'm thinking, what in the world? But you know, from two to four over there, they, they took their siesta. They they had two hours of rest every day. So everything we, was obviously moved back a couple hours to them. So, you know, they ate very late over there. Wow. You know, we, we had the run of the restaurant if we go in around six. Uh -huh. That's a, that's a, really just sounds amazing. Yeah. I was always very jealous about that, but those jobs and baseball jobs in Italy sound perfect. Now, and what the, do wine, you over, go the wine over there is cheaper than the Coke, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah, they have so much wine that it, it was much cheaper than getting a, you know, a Coke to have for dinner. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to then. I mean, really. Oh, yeah. just, just makes economic sense. Um, now, I know you were doing um, some work for the Astros broadcasting over the, the last few years. What are, you, what are you doing now? Are you going to go back to doing any broadcasting? What are your plans? No, I don't think so. I've, I've been finished for a couple of years now yeah. you know, doing that. It, it was enjoyable. Uh, work with some great people, you know, Kevin Eschenfelder, wonderful guy, you know, he was the main guy I worked with. And, uh, but I, I enjoyed staying in the game and I'd go in early, go into the clubhouse, you know, get to talk to some old friends, but you know, it just shows you how old I'm getting uh, the guys who I don't even know if there's a player left playing that, uh, was on the field anywhere when I was managing. So it's getting thin. 
you yeah. know, Ver, Verlander here in Houston. Yeah, he was with Detroit when I was, you know, managing in the American League. So there's still a handful of guys, but uh, I'm running out of them. <laughs> yeah, that must have been strange to watch everything that was unfolding with their with the cheating scandal there too, especially being as close to AJ Hinch as you are. Yeah, I feel bad for the for AJ. You know, I I know he evidently tried to put an end to it, but you know, was unsuccessful. And, Obviously, it reflects on the manager and the general manager when things like that are happening on the field. Um, you know, they won a championship, but I don't know if it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, Art, um, what, what's the, kind of coming up next for you here? I know you're back to being able to see your family and your grandkids. Tell us, you've got how many grandkids? Six. Oh, my Six. Gosh. Yep. That's great. And, uh, and they all live here in the Houston area, so. They were all here yesterday helping me celebrate Father's Day. So it was wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, we are so happy that you are back to full strength and uh, healthy and safe um, and continued best to you and your family. You were always such a gentleman in Oakland and treated us in the media so well and uh, had such great teams. It's, uh, I think we are, everyone has such fond memories of all of those teams and the job that you did. Thank you, Susan. I, I, I miss the Oakland area and the Oakland fans and everything about it out there and, and everybody affiliated with the team. I, there's still an awful lot of them out there. I think of them often and and try to stay in touch, especially when they come into town here. So try to go out to lunch with a few of them. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus. From our A's manager, Art Howe. Thank you, Susan. Thanks again to Art Howe. For joining us on Ace Plus. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. We will be back again next week with more Ace Plus. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.